This is TechCrunch. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Powered by the American Cancer Society Alexa Skill. There's a cancer expert already in your home. Ask Alexa to open American Cancer Society to get answers to your cancer questions, including types, treatment, and support. Here's what happens when you decide to sell your startup. By Joe Procopio. Are you considering selling your company as a potential exit? Now? A year from now? Five years from now? In more than 20 years of startup, with over a dozen acquisitions under my belt as an entrepreneur, advisor, and investor, I can assure you that an acquisition is always a massive and complex transaction that you're never 100% prepared for. In fact, the one regret I hear over and over again from my peers is that they got less than what they should have when they signed the deal. Whether you're a founder or just have some equity, there's a bunch of stuff you need to know before you decide to sell your startup, stuff that you won't actually learn until you've been through it. I sat down with a friend last week who's in the position to seriously consider selling her company. It's her first startup, so we went over a high-level outline of the process. Then I added a bunch of notes from my own experience for this post. How to know when it's time to sell. There are basically four reasons to sell your company. One, things are going poorly. Now, this obviously isn't good, and unless you're in a position where you have to sell, I would recommend against it. Instead, I'd do everything in my power to stabilize and reconsider later. Number two, things are going extremely well. On the other side, this is the best position to be in, but it's also the time when the founders are least interested in selling. The deal has to be outstanding. Number three, an external factor. Something has happened outside of the company that has made selling an attractive option. For example, I wound up running two companies at the same time and decided to get out of the small one to focus on the big one. Number four, you've taken it as far as you can. This is most often the primary reason why founders choose to sell their company. They see a lot of opportunity down the road and decide that a specific acquirer can take much better advantage of that opportunity. Usually, the decision to sell is based on a combination of these reasons. How to make the decision to sell. There are basically three ways to get acquired. Number one, a larger company. This is someone in your space or close to it. To them, your company represents either an advance in innovation or just a bunch of new customers. This is the most popular option. Number two, private equity. These firms usually buy out all of the existing owners and investors and may put company leadership on a profit plan to keep them around and motivated. These transactions usually happen at high levels of valuation, like approaching the billions. And number three, a new investment round. At lower levels of valuation, the same kind of transaction can take place where a new investor or a group of investors buys out all of the current owners and investors. There are two things you need to do before you decide to sell. First, consider your negotiating position from strongest to weakest. 
Ideally, you should already have at least one offer on the table or have rejected one or more offers in the recent past. This is the strongest position as one offer usually attracts more. If you don't have a solid offer, you should at least be investigating one or more implied offers. These hints and clues will come from partners, customers, competition, even investors and advisors with connections to other investors and PE firms. If you have none of these, selling the company is going to be a lot more difficult, but not impossible. In this case, acquisition is a lot like fundraising. If you don't have any offers or leads, you need to build connections and relationships. You are basically putting together a pitch deck and going door-to-door. If you're not patient, you'll end up giving up a lot of value on your equity. You might also consider bringing in a fixer, an experienced person who will come in as CEO for a large chunk of equity and get your company into a better position to sell, both operationally and in terms of connections. I rarely see this work, but I have indeed seen it work. Here, you're trading shares for the hopes of increased value of those shares. And finally, you might find private money that just wants to take over your company. These transactions happen at much lower valuations, kind of a fire sale. The second thing you need to do before you make the decision to sell is talk to your board, your current investors, your executive team, and your advisors. Everyone has to be in line, on board, and the proper expectations need to be set and agreed upon. Preparing the company to be sold There are basically three ways to calculate the sale price of your company. One, a service-based company is usually valued at one times to two times annual revenue. In cases where the company is a hybrid of product or intellectual property that may be spun off, this can creep to three times or maybe a little more. Number two, a product company is usually valued two times to ten times annual revenue, depending on the market for the product, the protected unique differentiators, the higher the tech, and a number of other things usually related to opportunity. And number three, in cases of extreme opportunity and innovation, a product company can be sold for 20 to 50 times. There are two things you'll have to do to sell your company. Show you're worth the sale price and prove the legitimacy of your operation. To show your worth, if your company is taking in $10 million in revenue and your valuation comes out at 10 times or $100 million, you need to be able to show the acquirer the path to $100 million within a 3- to 5-year time frame. The more objectively you can show that return, the more likely you'll get your asking price. There are a number of ways you can do this, but spreadsheets and hockey stick charts probably aren't enough to open the checkbook. For example, in one case, we had to actually conduct a one-month experimental project and hit certain milestones dictated by the acquirer. In another, we went through a three-month period where we pushed the accelerator to the ground to show 100% month-over-month growth for three straight months. To prove your legitimacy, you're going to have to go through due diligence. This will happen after an offer sheet has been put together, and hopefully there's a penalty clause if the buyer pulls out. During due diligence, you'll have to show that the structural integrity of your company is clean. This means you'll need to show a clean cap table with all the equity in the company past, present, and future accounted for. Open your books so they can audit your financials. Sit your lawyers with their lawyers to sniff out liability and risk and also make sure your intellectual property is properly protected. And interview and background check your management team to uncover skeletons in anyone's closet. And also make sure everyone important will stay on. 
There will be no time between the initial interest from the acquirer and microscope time, so you'll need to have all your ducks in a row before you put your company on the market. Timeline. Your guess is as good as mine, so make your best guess, and then double it. The fastest I've ever been through an acquisition deal was four months. The longest was seven months. Again, it's like raising a funding round, so the shape of your company and the strength of your negotiating position will determine a lot of the timeline, but there will always be external factors to deal with. For example, one time we had the buyer just drop off the face of the earth for 45 days. At about day 30, we resigned ourselves to the fact that it wasn't going to happen, and then it did. Think one to two months to prepare and line up suitors, two to three months to get a solid offer in place, one to two months of due diligence. It's not quick, but it should not drag. Regardless of my anecdote above, both sides have an incentive to move quickly. It just takes time. Preparing yourself for life after startup. The last thing my friend and I talked about was what she was going to do once her startup was folded into a new company. Even from her early vantage point, in almost all outcomes, she was looking at a comfy VP position and a nice salary. She could do that. The question, of course, was for how long? The last time my company was acquired was the first time I planned to stick around to hit the next milestone. I didn't make it. Two years in, I hit a wall that I never recovered from, even after a few more months of soul-searching. It was a mix of internal changes, external factors, and me just being done. I felt like I was dragging a bag of bricks to work every morning. I try to stick around again. I've never been one to hop from startup to startup, and I've been immersed enough in the corporate world to know I can navigate it. But there's a reason they usually lock the executive team in for two years. That's about all either side can take of the other. Thing is, because it was the first time I planned to stay put after the acquisition, I never developed a contingency plan going into the acquisition, and I paid for it afterwards. When I did leave, it took three months just to find my feet. I've seen other folks take way longer to decompress, and I've seen some of them do some crazy stuff along the way, like start that folly of a company they always wanted to start, and now that they have the means to start it and no one to tell them no, disaster. So whether your plan is to stick around or run away screaming, make sure you build in time to think about what's next. You can do whatever you want after that time, maybe start a new project, maybe take a new position. What you do might not even be startup-related at all. But chances are it will be. Entrepreneurs are like addicts. We don't know when to quit. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.